You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. What's up, man? How are you doing? How are we doing? Great. Nice. Ready to get into this episode. Yes. This one was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Gary was amazing. Super glad that we had him on the show. Yeah. Um, and really feel like this interview was a little different than most of his interviews, which is was the goal. Yeah, it was nice, and it really felt like... It was a special moment, I think, for us here at Impact Theory, just because um, we've been watching Gary's content for Mm -hmm. a long time. We are very much aligned with his philosophy on marketing and providing value. So, um, and we work with Vayner Talent. So it was uh, it was nice to finally see this come to fruition. It's been in the works for a long time. So thanks everyone for being patient. Yeah, thanks for being patient, and thanks to Vayner for helping make this actually happen. Those guys are amazing. We love working with them very, very much. Yeah, and uh, pinning Gary down is not easy. So <laughs> getting him to finally like schedule it uh, was it took an inhuman effort. And mad love to our own Dr. Finesse, by the way, for staying on that consistent like a and bloodhound, finally, like a bloodhound, yeah. finally making it happen. Yes, and we've got Lisa Bill, you creeping in the background. So not never sure what to make of that. All um, right. All right. So, so share if this content's yeah. adding value. Is that where Welcome we're at? Welcome everyone to Facebook Live. If you're joining us, this is After Impact. This is a show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory, which this week is Gary Vaynerchuk, the man, uh, the myth, the legend. Right there. Uh, the episode is called Why Perspective Will Make or Break You. Um, this was a fantastic episode. If you don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, I don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> but if it is possible, I'll give you a quick rundown of who he is. He's the CEO of Vayner Media, which is one of the top digital marketing and creative agencies in the world, serving some of the biggest consumer brands, including Toyota, Pepsi, and GE, just to name a few. He's a well-recognized thought leader and influencer and one of the pioneers of personal branding um, he has a social media reach of 3.5 million plus, I think. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 He's uh, an angel investor. He's been investing in some of the biggest tech companies in the last decade or so. Um, he's a speaker. He's the creator of the Wine Library, which was a big YouTube sensation way back in the day. He's also the author of four New York Times bestselling books. That's four. And on business and marketing. And to top it all off, he's just a really good person. Yeah. Which really came to light in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, so why don't we kick it off there? Why, why do you, like, first of all, how did you get him into that zone? Because that's what a lot of people are commenting on in YouTube. Like, mm. I've never seen the side of Gary. Um, he just seems really genuine and authentic. He really cares about people. Was that something that you were planning out <laughs> as you were researching him? Very, very much so. Um, and to be fair, like that's what I'm trying to do with everybody. Yeah. So I have a strategy which I've laid out for people before, <laughs> and it goes something like this. So um, I'm first of all, I'm only trying to bring on people that have already inspired me. So there's something about them that I'm very moved by, and I'm trying to capture that in the intro so to write the intro i try to find their loop and their loop is like that thing that they say all the time so in every interview and i'm as guilty of this as anybody you've got like your sweet spot right Mm -hmm. and you gravitate towards that it's the thing that you've said enough times that like you have the words they're there for you they're ready you're gonna sound super eloquent uh like wow like this is a well thought out thing because you've just done it so many times right? right and if you watch his keynotes you'll see that like you migrate that over time. I mean, he, you know, is a great example and and I try to do the same thing where it's like you want your own fresh thoughts and you want to you've encountered new ideas and new people that have sparked something and so it it drifts over time, but nonetheless at any one time anybody who's used to giving interviews is going to have a loop. So, I'm going in, I'm trying to find that loop that helps me understand them, it helps me understand what's important to them, mm-hmm. and I think that's a thing that um, a lot of interviewers miss is the the person Like there are certain parts of their story that they tell over and over and over. Now, the reason that they're telling those parts of the story is because that matters to them. That's Mm -hmm. a part of their identity. So when you find that loop, 
to understand that these are the things that are meaningful to that person. And I try to honor them by putting that in the intro. I try to give context to the viewers by putting that in the intro. And quite frankly, I'm trying to take it all away from them. And by that, I mean like no one, once I've said it in the intro, like they would just sound like they're repeating themselves, ironically, if they then reference back to something that I said in the intro. So it, it sets all that aside and it, and it then moves us forward. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, here's your loop. I've encompassed it all so that you feel good that it's out there. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm going to try to ask you questions that take you beyond that, that come from my real fascination with who you are. And what I've learned to do is trust my gut. So if some really obscure, like when I was watching the episode with him and his father and he cried and like they made no reference to it. His dad doesn't, his dad sees that he's crying. He's crying, doesn't say anything, just wipe, like literally wipes it away and then no reference. So I was like, wait a second. You're like, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. Like I was so moved. And so I, I literally have the chills right now thinking about it. Like in that moment, I felt like, holy shit, like he's not just telling the story that he knows is good like there's really really something between him and his dad there's really really something about those formative years and he talks so much about like being an immigrant and having Mm -hmm. come and like being bullied and all of that stuff but that little moment gave me an insight into this is really him. Like this guy that really wants people to get along and connect it's because he actually connects to people yeah he like Because the reference that made him cry was his dad saying, I miss the hour-long commute that we had every day to the store. That was it. I miss the hour-long commute that we had. And and that like hit Gary so hard that he got emotional. And I thought, okay, this is all real. And that was a real click moment for me. So it's things like that, like trusting that like because I'm so moved by this, other people are going to be moved by this. And that's how you take an interview somewhere totally Mm -hmm. unique that only you could do because you have, like I had a moment with them in that episode that maybe like everybody else has seen, but it didn't resonate or for whatever reason, but it resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, you just accumulate those things that you want to talk about based on that. And then if you can get a big enough worldview of who this person is and, and I'm, a huge believer in Gary and his vision of marketing. That's why we're a client. Like Mm -hmm. I really, really think he gets something that not a lot of people get. And so because I'm so familiar with his content, I'm so familiar with his world and I try to be that familiar with everybody that we bring on, I can go wherever they go. Right. So if he like something resonates with him and he starts going down an Avenue over here, like I'm studied there. Right. Right. So then we can talk about it. Awesome. Uh, we got a lot of viewers showing up. 119 live viewers. Thank nice. you, everyone. Boom. For so that's us. our that's a high water mark. Thanks, everybody. Um, so again, welcome to our Facebook live discussion of the Impact Theory episode with Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, if you find this content valuable, please share it. And why don't we we should give away his book, his Let's most recent uh, Ask Gary V book. Yeah. So if you share this awesome content, book, by the way, um, yeah, send us a screen grab in the Connect at Impact Theory inbox. That's C O N N E C T, and we will enter you to win a copy of the Gary V book, nice. Ask Gary V. Love it. Cool. Uh, I want to read a couple of comments here just before we really dive in because we had a lot of comments on YouTube. This one is from. Ulrich Evanson, he says, I had no idea. I literally thought Gary was a more negative person. Watching a few clips with him, this is so empowering. He is describing something I live and strive for, achieving greatness while being a good person. Something a lot of people, a lot, try to convince you is impossible. So thank you. Love that. Yeah. I was surprised by how many people had something like that to say like, oh, I didn't really like him. I thought he was negative. Um, and Gary talked about that in the episode. He said, when somebody pulls like one random clip, which by the way, for anybody watching, um, I have a rule. I don't do journalist interviews. And what I mean by that is if somebody's writing a story where they're going to come in, assimilate my worldview, pull one or two quotes, and then package up an article from their point of view, I don't do that. And the reason, much to your dismay, and the reason that I don't do that is because I feel that they so grossly misrepresent that I only, like, and I, 
for when I saw people saying that they thought Gary was negative, I was like, what the fuck? Like Gary is one of the most optimistic, positive people I've ever encountered literally in my entire life. Yeah. So the fact that he can be abstracted with these bites and sound negative, uh, like that is utterly terrifying to me. And that's why long form is the only thing that I do. I don't like to be edited much. Like I get it. You're going to have to tighten it up. But like don't take me out of context. Don't jumble my sentences. Like you've got to let it play. Because the nuance in you know, any worldview is everything. And yeah. once you lose that, uh, it's terrifying. Yeah. And thank God. Like I literally would have had no interest in being forward facing 10 years ago before you could do it your way. Because if I had to be at the mercy of the media, uh, it's it's nasty, dude. And I, I won't even say that they do it on purpose, but it's gross the way that it comes out, in my opinion. All right. Let's take things in a little bit of a different direction. So um, you speaking of Gary's optimism, uh, he says in the episode, we're grossly underestimating the internet itself and thinks that things are going to scale to be so much bigger, so much, uh, just so much different than when we're looking at it today. So how, how much do you think we're underestimating the inter internet and where do you see things going? And we'll say with regards to personal branding, social media. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I think that we are grossly, grossly underestimating what the internet is capable of. And when you think about the paradigm shift that's happening in media, so um, everyone knows my whole thing. In fact, for the people recently, I guess, because we brought it up in the episode, I've been getting asked again a lot, like, what's this whole thing with wanting to be a bigger studio than Disney? And I don't mm -hmm. think people yet really understand what I'm talking about. So Disney is the scale that I'm talking about. It is, I'm not trying to be like Disney in the, like, we're not going to make cartoon. Well, actually we may make cartoons and I've got this whole thing about impact theory kids and we'll, we'll talk more about that, but that isn't what I mean. I don't mean similar in content type. What I'm talking about, Disney looks at the world of culturally relevant intellectual property and they buy it, but it's the culturally relevant intellectual property. Okay. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Now we're living in a time right now where everybody, and Gary talked about this in the episode, the infrastructure costs of NBC, ABC, CBS, um, Disney, all of them, they're so extravagant, so extravagant. And to do a tentpole film in this day and age is hundreds of millions of dollars, okay? Not, uh, it's like $200 million for a film? Like, I don't care how big you are, you can only absorb so many misses. Yeah. So it is a really dangerous game. I think there's a fundamentally different way to play it that is only possible now because of the internet, is only possible now because anybody for relatively cheap can put out a real show, can put out their own thing, can get people's attention, can get people to really understand, connect, authenticity and transparency. That's like the kingmaker, mm -hmm. okay? So we're living in a time right now where the internet, where social excuse me, social media especially, is giving us, the us like the real human beings behind a company, giving us the ability to be authentic and transparent. Now, that is a fundamental building block to the human condition. We love authenticity and transparency. It makes us feel connected. We feel like we know the person. Right. When you know them, you feel like you can trust them. You know what they stand for. They resonate something back at you, which is really what people care about, how I make them feel about themselves, right? right. So just watch the comments. Like, Tom, thank you so much. Like, you've inspired me to be me, to become the person I want to become, to go out and create the things I want to create. It's about them, okay? But being authentic, being transparent gives people the ability to connect with a real human being behind a company that's never existed before, ever, literally in human history. It's never existed. You've never had a corporation where people could connect, actually connect, dude. Like it was the world's smallest group of people, maybe employees, but even then, like it's just next to impossible without the power of the internet, social media for people to do that. So I can come on here and three times a week for a fucking hour, I sit here and I'm like, this is who I am, right? right? So God, like maybe there are people talented enough to totally bullshit. I just don't think so. People reveal themselves when they talk. They cannot help. And not only do I come on here and do it for three hours a week, I'm going and I'm being interviewed by other people all week long. So this sheer number of hours worth of content that I put out every week there's only so many places to hide. 
So it's giving people this chance for authenticity and transparency, okay? Those are the kingmakers. I wanna make that really fucking clear. So now you've got a world built around that where people can see who I really am, that I can create something. And this is what Disney did. And this is another reason I use this as a reference. Disney was one of the most famous in today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. People on the planet, if not the most famous person on the planet in like the 40s and 50s, okay? Think about that for a second. The head of a studio. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. So... But he was doing it in an era where it was a carefully crafted persona, which seemed to be largely real. Like that really seemed to be him. Like there was like a folksiness to him and all that, like that he really pined for. He wanted that, like he loved that. And that's why it just poured out of him. Now, was he a complicated individual? Almost certainly true. And like, look, all of us are flawed. Again, something Gary talks about very eloquently in the episode. It's like, I'm not saying that Disney was perfect. I'm certainly not saying I'm perfect. But it's like you put yourself out there in a way where people have someone, something that they can identify that becomes the ethos of the brand, okay? Now, ethos of a brand is critical, and typically people have got that out through traditional marketing. So if I'm Nike, I'm not necessarily showing you Phil Knight. What I'm showing you are athletes and people, Jordan, right? So Jordan became the ethos of Nike, represented excellence and all of that. And they've done an amazing job of leveraging that to create the ethos of the brand. But we're now living in a time where I don't need anything in between me and the end um, user of our products, of our social content, all of that. I literally just be myself, right? Mm -hmm. I be myself and now people can see the ethos of the brand, which historically was just incredibly, incredibly difficult to do. So when you think about those things as fundamental building blocks of the human condition, that is why this time is so unbelievably powerful where you get to be yourself and people get to see that, connect with it, and decide whether your brand, your thing is what they want to be a part of. And you don't have to throw a lot of capital at it. Like, don't be like, we've thrown more capital at it than most people because, look, I spent almost two decades like in the world of just grinding it out and building a business silently behind the scenes, never stepping forward, like, not that that wasn't a part of it because it didn't exist. But even if you don't have access to those resources, there are many people going from nothing. Look at Lewis Howes going from his sister's couch to building a massive following 
by not by throwing money at it, but just by being consistent, putting out value add yeah. content, like really doing something, delivering value, right? And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So I, I literally could keep going and I feel like I am I have given you just the absolute tip of the iceberg of why this is so potent and powerful. But the reality is that an average kid from Poughkeepsie can now become NBC by putting out awesome content because distribution is free. There you have it. There you have it. All right. Love it. Um, let's talk about that kid from Poughkeepsie. Yes, please. Uh, one of the big points in Gary's episode is that um, complaining is sort of the sh like the surefire way to tell if somebody has what he calls losing pessimistic DNA <laughs> yes. versus um, winning optimistic DNA when mm -hmm. you're not complaining. So how do you change someone's perspective who is living, let's say, in a underserved community, either rural or urban? Um, they have very little around them. <laughs> is this them. a setup? They have, Agent Smith? Well, I just wanna, I, I want you to elaborate <laughs> on this, especially for people who are maybe joining right. us for the first time. Um, what, they have very little resources and very little hope. So mm -hmm. how do you start changing their perspective? All right, so the reason I say that this is a setup is this This is the question that I was trying to answer with this company. So Impact Theory is meant to answer that question. So um, I wor I've worked in the inner cities a lot, so I used to Big Brother, I mean, these are sort of my famous stories. Um, used to Big Brother for a kid named Rashawn, and Rashawn, if you're watching, definitely ping me. Um, and that, I was too young to really understand what was happening. I just knew that like, things were not working out well for him because of where he was growing up. And I like I felt it was my mission in life to take him to literally Beverly Hills. So I used to bring him to Beverly Hills all the time. Now this is back when I'm dirt poor, but like I would use that as leverage in my own mind, drive around, look at the big houses, fantasize, like what do I need to do to make that come true in my life? And they're like wealthy neighborhoods are typically beautiful neighborhoods. And that's what I wanted him to see. I wanted him to see like beauty. I wanted him to see green grass, right? Mm -hmm. And like in the inner cities, like it just doesn't exist. And so trying to take him somewhere nice. So my logic was a movie ticket costs the same no matter where you see the movie. So you might as well go to a nice neighborhood to see the movie. So I would take him to like the Manchinese Theater, uh, Century City, like just trying to get him into nice, beautiful places. Mm -hmm. um, and then later when I go uh, and we found Quest and I'm, again, I find myself in the inner cities, but now I'm hiring people like en masse. And I'm interviewing, literally I've, I've interviewed like 1500 people at this point. And just the overwhelming majority of them grew up hard, mm -hmm. poor. And asking them questions, trying to get to know who they are, I start to see like this worldview that just doesn't make sense. And meaning it's ultra limited, they believe there's only certain things that they, they can do that they're capable of. They don't believe, like they literally don't believe they can do anything they set their mind to without limitation. They don't believe that through hard work and discipline, anything like can become real. They don't believe that um, just because they started here doesn't mean they have to end up there. And it's not about who you are. It's about who you want to become, the price you're willing to pay to get there. Like all the things that make my worldview, like they don't believe in it. They don't believe in it because they've never encountered it. And all people have ever told them, there's a, I need to fucking memorize this, this lyric because I find myself coming back to it all the time. I don't even remember what song it's from. But this guy goes, they don't want to see you win. And he was referencing like society at large, right? They don't want to see you win. Talking to people of color in the inner cities, they don't want to see you win. And I thought, that is depressing. Like if that's your worldview, that they don't wanna see you win, that your world is, like the world is against you and you're gonna to have to stay here. And I am here to tell you right now, it's always about the other person. The moment you can make them feel better about themselves, they don't care where you come from. Like your focus needs to be, how do I empower that person? Like if you wanna get out of the, um, out of a bad situation, whatever your situation, go to somebody who's living your ideal life and say, I'm gonna work harder and smarter than anyone's ever worked for you. I'm gonna do it for free. And if you go and do that in exchange for relationships and information, then if you deliver a crushing, overwhelming amount of value, that person literally does not care where you come from. Like money, well, God, I forget who said this, but it was like money isn't um, patriotic. 
right? Money isn't patriotic. Money doesn't see color. Dude, I'm telling you, if you can make somebody money and you can say that this is bad, fine, I don't care. It's just true. If you can make somebody money, if you can empower them, if you can empower their business, if you can make them feel better about themselves, whatever, like they're going to want to be around you. That is a fundamental fact about being a human being. Like people want to be around people that empower them, that enrich them, like true. So you have to get yourself to the point where you can be valuable to people like that. So here I am, I'm in the inner cities. I'm trying to hire these people. They have this limited worldview that doesn't take into account reality. And I'm just like, what is happening? So I start asking myself a fundamental question in a one-on-one situation. If I can make myself valuable enough in their life, then I could one at a time, get them to see a better worldview. I could shape their mindset, but I would have to get them away from the other people that are poisoning their mindset. Like I will give you an example and hopefully one day he will let me tell this story with his name attached to it. One of the people that we hired during this time who is an incredible human being, um, he actually got into a fist fight because he started reading and he wanted other people in his neighborhood to like join a book club with him and to do this. And they were like, you've changed. But not like you've changed like, and that kind of sucks. Like you've changed and I want to fucking fight about it. Yikes. And I was like, how, that is so weird. Like that is such a bizarre, I recognize it. It's true. Humans are like that. And when you make them feel insecure about themselves, like they have to do something to rectify the situation. So he literally got in a fist fight with somebody because he was reading. And I was like, that, that's fucking crazy. So anyway, you have to get them away from the people that are toxic uh -huh. and all that. So as I'm thinking through this problem, I'm like, okay, what do I know about humans? What is the fundamental truth about the way that we assimilate truly disruptive information? Because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get them to take in a totally different worldview. And the answer is narrative, right? Uh, we could... I've already gone very long on this answer. I am wildly passionate about it. So passionate, I'm giving my entire life and a massive part of my um, wealth to it. So it's like, truly, truly, I believe in this. Um, narrative is the way that we assimilate disruptive information. So I know that it's gonna have to be narrative. What are the five forms of narrative? You've got books, comic books, TV shows, movies, and video games. Those are the dominant forms. AR, VR maybe is gonna come, and almost certainly, but it's not here yet. Um, but those are the five form. So I know I'm going to be dealing in that realm because I don't want to change behavior. I want to leverage it. So I know that people already seek out that entertainment factor and they seek it out because it takes us on an emotional roller coaster. Lisa and I were talking about this yesterday during relationship theory. There is something about intense emotion, good or bad, doesn't matter. It's why people fucking watch horror films. Literally the point of a horror film is to scare you. It shouldn't make sense, right? But it does. And we all get it and we all know why people do it. So intense emotions are awesome. People love it. Whether they're high or low, that's a fucking weird part about humanity. We'll go into it in another episode. But like people love intense emotions. That's why one of the reasons why narrative has lasted because it takes you on that emotional roller coaster. So I know people are already going to do that. So I'm going to incept them there so that I don't have to do it one-on-one, -on -one, that I can create mass pop culture properties that really paint an empowering worldview through characters that you love, relate to, connect with, take you on the emotional roller coaster, all of it, but all the while, really subtly in the background, I'm just dripping on you that you can do anything you set your mind to, that you can overcome any obstacle, that it doesn't matter where you start, only matters who you want to become, the price you're willing to pay to get there, that you've got to change the five people that you're hanging out with in order to like you know move on. And so you're going to see characters in the impact theory universe do that over and over and over it's called the hero with a thousand faces written by joseph campbell you can tell the same story from a thousand different angles and by doing that i really believe the way that disney and this again why the things that resonate for me with disney disney understood that about the the magic of childhood that like simpler time that probably never actually existed but we all sort of feel because we were simpler and the world seemed easier and smaller and um, easier to digest and understand and connect with. And you have an, not an inflamed, but uh, your amygdala is just out of control when you're a kid. So emotions are like really heightened. That's why when the friends that you have when you're 12, like it just seems like I'll never have a friend like this again. And you really won't because your amygdala gets in line and your prefrontal cortex develops. And hey, how much weirder could I make this answer? But this is all fucking true. Like this is all what's going on in my head yeah. about why impact theory has to be a media company why we're gonna tell certain kinds of stories, all about that empowerment. I'll stop myself there. I could literally go on forever. This is the most important question in my life. If anybody has questions to that response or has a follow-up comment, put it in the comments now so we can get into it. Uh, the, here's a comment from our Facebook Live community. 
Daniel Breeze. Uh, Gary said, the closer people are to the sun, the harder they work. He was referencing himself, people being around him in the office. Do you think it's because they work harder when they're being watched or because he is able to influence their work ethic? How would you influence someone's work ethic? It's very different person by person. This is where I have to say I'm a filtering mechanism, as is Gary. Um, you're not trying to change somebody. But the truth is like when you're around somebody that's crushing it and you admire them and they inspire you and they make you feel like a better version of yourself and you feel more alive when you're around them and their energy is contagious, all things that are true about humans. Negative energy is contagious, positive energy is contagious. And I found that exact same thing. When people work around me, they are different human beings mm -hmm. than when they're even one layer removed. So working for me is very different than working for someone who works for me. Uh, and that I am trying to crack that. I'm trying to figure out how to overcome that because that was heartbreaking to watch at Quest. Anyway, that's a whole nother answer. So yes, 100% is nothing about being watched. It is though about the social pressure because he'll have a whole group of people around him. Maybe there's like 10 to 20 people that are sort of his inner circle, inner circle. And when you get into that, everybody's working their ass off. Everybody's holding themselves to a certain standard. Everybody's striving for the same kind of thing. They're all ignited by the same stuff. And so when you get into that, it's like that moment in um, uh, Finding Nemo where they get into the current, I forget the, the name of the, that main current in the ocean. And when you're outside of it, you just see people going by and then literally you move like eight inches up and it catches you and it takes you off. That's what it's like to be in an environment like that where you get swept up in that momentum. Cool. All right, I want to remind everyone who's just joining us, we're on Facebook Live. This is After Impact, the show where Tom and I go deep into the episode of Impact Theory, discussing Gary Vaynerchuk today, which if you haven't seen, you need to check out. This one was, it's by far one of our, our strongest episodes and uh, a different side of Gary. That's what everyone's been commenting on, um, which we love. So you can win a copy of his latest book, Ask Gary V. And you can do that by sharing this uh, Facebook Live, sharing it on Facebook, sending us a screen grab, connect at impacttheory.com. We'll put you in the running. Um, if we have several people sharing, we'll give away a couple books. Maybe we'll give away two or three. So, Look at you. Yeah. Nice. On, we I gotta, like it. A little generous today. Yeah, we've got to be generous. I and mean, we've got like a lot it. of people showing up. So we want nice. to show you thanks for participating. We, we appreciate your time and attention always. Uh, here's a question from... Oh, by the way, the song is Tunnel Vision by Kodak Black. Is it really? Will somebody write that down? We write that down? Thank you. Thank you, yep. whoever said that. Uh, eternal gratitude. Yes, thank you. Shout out to uh, the person who looked it up on Rap Genius or something, or however you found it. Did we not have their name? What's their name? Yeah, what is their name? Chase? Uh, their name is it Slack. Was, it was Michael Foster. <laughs> Michael Foster. Thank you, man. Thanks, Dude, Michael. always contributing to this community. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Your comments are never lost on me. Much, much, much obliged. And in fact, he has a question Fire for away. you. Gary believes people are born with certain talents. Do you buy into that or do you lean more toward the fact that anything is able to be cultivated with massive action and the right mindset? Gary and I are diametrically opposed on this. And um, I love that. I, I, look, Gary thinks very deeply about his stuff. And so the fact that I actually see us as sort of opposite ends of the spectrum on a lot of things, uh, I'm just wildly respectful of his opinion. But I really believe that humans are capable of change. Now, to Gary's point about there are certain things that you're gonna, what I'll call get early wins. So you, um, like for me, speaking was an early win, but compared to what I'm capable of now verbally to where I was when I was a kid, it's like night and fucking day. So there are many, th being an entrepreneur though, for me, everything was painful. Every lesson was hard. Like none of it comes naturally. Gary was selling people their own flowers as a kid, which I think Wes Chapman did as well. Like I. I don't get it. Like, I'm not wired like that. That never would have crossed my mind. Like, right. so I had to learn to be an entrepreneur, but I feel like I've learned it. Like, and look, it's an ongoing thing and I'll be better 10 years from now than I am today. But like, that was me going, whoa, I am not a natural born entrepreneur at all. I don't, I've had to cultivate every instinct. Now I believe even instincts, in fact, especially instincts are cultivated. Maybe some people are wired for it out of the gate. Okay, awesome. Um, but just because you're not doesn't mean you can't get good at it. It just may take you a little bit longer. You may have to put a little bit more energy into it. Maybe you have to put a lot more energy into it. But if you love it, it makes you feel come up, like you're coming alive, you're passionate about it, then put the work in. I believe anyone can do anything they set their mind to without limitation, period. 
Um, so that's just the truth. Now, some people may have to first solve the problem of um, eternal life because maybe they just won't be able to do it fast enough. Uh, and I say this with a little tongue in cheek, but like, you know, I plan to live forever. Um, so I'm also counting on people to solve some pretty major problems around that. Uh, but that is, that to me is just the truth of life. And I will ask people this one question. Don't you hope I'm right? And why would you ever live in any way other than to assume that I am right? And because even Gary, I believe that what Gary's really saying is, hey, know what you're good at, but then go get better at it, right? So he's not saying like you can't improve. He's just saying like of all the things to put your time and energy into getting really good at, don't start at something where you're at a massive deficit. And that's the only thing that I think he and I agree on. As I say, whatever you want to do, like what do your goals demand? If your goals demand that you get good at something that you're at a deficit at, get good at something that you're at a deficit at. Like my goals demanded that I got good at being an entrepreneur, period. So I had to get good at it. It's interesting that uh, I, I'm glad we're diving into this because it's one of the things I picked up on in this episode is he used the term DNA a lot, um, but he, he used it in a way that he was talking about it almost like it's fixed, but it's also malleable. Right. So he talks about you have, um, if you're complaining, you have pessimistic DNA. If you're not complaining, you have optimistic DNA. But right. then it's talking about the idea of complaining, like you can change that. It's about perspective. Right. So which, which suggests that you're not just born with this certain outlook. You can always change it. And then he also talks about, um, going back to instincts, what you were saying, the intuition he has with identifying trends. And he said, it's just something I'm good at. It's something I do. But mm-hmm. then when he described it, it's like, oh, well, he's just very, he's super curious about everything. And he's like, oh, well, if I see the slime thing that I'm looking at on YouTube, I'm asking people about it. And he's going through this process that clearly I think he's honed over time. Obviously, he has a very good track record, too, right. of investing. But um, yeah, I, I was surprised. I think you're right that even though you guys are sort of opposed, I think he also believes that, you know, obviously you can get better at things and work ethic is big for him, right? Hustle is Mm. big for him. That's the one thing he says you do have most control over. Yeah, no question. And look, at the same time, I also get people are born with inclinations Mm. and the brain is wired. Like it's structured. And the moment it's structured, the moment it's wired there, there's just going to be enough variability that some people will be better than others. Sure. It just is what it is. And then you're so shaped by your environment as a kid growing Mm. up and the ideology that you're fed, like it all plays in and the random experiences that you have. And I mean, the fascinating nature of looking at identical twins that are raised together, identical twins that are raised apart and like the things that they converge on that even though they, you know, have never met, like there's wild similarities. And then there are twins that grew up together. And even though they're identical and grew up in the same house, they're wildly convert or uh, divergent. So it, it, it's just both. It's yeah. just both. And so my thing is f- figure out like what makes you come alive. What are you going to have fun pursuing? And then if you're going to have fun pursuing it, it doesn't matter if it comes naturally or not. You may have to work harder, but like a, a perfect example. So there are things in my life that I'm utterly fascinated by physics. I am, I am entranced by physics in a way I can't quite explain, but math doesn't make any intuitive sense for me. So like everything I've ever learned in math was like clawing and scraping. And so I'm not in physics. I consider it a a deep interest, deep interest, but it's never become a passion because I find the acquisition of skills and that to be so painful that going down that path, I was like, eh, but I know that if for whatever reason, if I had to do it, I could, and I would buckle down and I would figure it out and I would get better brick by brick. And over enough time, I'd be able to do the things that I needed to do, but I may never be effortless, right? In the way that sure. like, if, if you guys aren't watching genius, the story of Albert Einstein, watch it. It's just great TV, first of all, and is further proof that people are breaking outside of the box. You know who, who produces that? No. Nat Geo. National Geographic, like what does that have to do with Einstein? Nothing. But what people are realizing is a good show is a good show is a good show. And it's no longer as much about like, hey, we're NBC and these are the kinds of shows that we do. Hey, we're Nat Geo and these are the kinds of shows that we do. It's like, we have a platform. 
we're going to put out a great show. We can use social media to get a lot of attention for this. Um, very, very exciting time to to be even a consumer of this kind of content. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great show. And I really do believe like there were just certain things that he had early wins in them that captured his imagination. But at the end of the day, he pursued the things that he loved that made him feel alive. Yeah. And so that's, that's my advice. That way, even if you're slower than everybody else, even if you never um, get worldly success like everyone else, if you're having a ball doing it, what does it matter? Yeah. Uh, going back to work ethic. So that's something that it seems like was instilled in Gary through his upbringing when you asked him, um, is he going to instill that in his kids? He mm. said no. And that really threw me for a loop. What did you think about that? Um, I, I think it's the only right answer. And the reason I think it's the right answer is because the only impossible job is raising children. Like you never know what like happens if you're trying to push them in a certain direction. And if my advice to people is do what makes you feel most alive, but then when I had kids, I tried to mold them into like what I value and what I think is right. Um, it, it's just a dangerous situation. Now, I would hope that they would pick up on from me um, that that matters. And I would absolutely recognize you're going to paint a worldview for them, whether you want to or not. And I would certainly say, look, when you work hard, like it's a force multiplier. You're going to get more from your endeavors than if you don't. Yeah. But you know, to Gary's point, be yourself, go all in on that, do your thing and be kind. Like teaching somebody empathy, I think is, is super valuable. And that really, really resonated with me. So I, I think that part of him know, like the very fact that he won't let his kids win, he's not letting his kids win. I think not just because like he's got a competitive streak. I think he doesn't let his kids win because he wants them to earn the victories that they get. And I actually think that because of learned helplessness and all that, it's actually a dangerous strategy. Um, so if I were a parent, that's one thing I wouldn't do. Like I would strategically make sure that I, I took them to the edge of their limits and then let them get a victory that they didn't earn in the hope that they would believe that they had earned it. But that's like a whole another episode, but I'm utterly fascinated. Like, have I ever talked to you about the rats? Yeah. And how they can, so they can take a small rat and, and almost make it invincible because what they do is they take a small rat and they pit it against larger rats, but they drug the larger rats. So the smaller rat wins. And at first it like wins, but like, oh God, what's happening? And then by the end, it will just maul a bigger rat because it's one time and time and time again until you can actually pit it against a bigger rat that isn't drugged and it'll still fuck it up because it has so much confidence. Mm -hmm. Now, the way that you pull that off is intricate and very difficult, certainly with humans, because they can sense like, wait, am I being manipulated? So you have to be so careful. But like even the example that Gary gives about his mom, giving him like encouragement and treating, right. you know, holding the door open for somebody like he had won the Nobel Prize, um, like those things go a long way towards shaping somebody. So, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think any kid growing up around Gary will understand the power of work ethic. And I think he knows that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's go to our Facebook live audience. This one's from Andrew Seepley, I think is the last name. Um, psyched to finally join you on a live feed. This episode was my introduction to Gary Vee. Thank you for that. And wow. loved when he talked about his life feeling light and him feeling invincible. Mm. That's what I want for myself. I believe he said that embracing, enjoying failure, having an intention to positively impact others and being authentic are some keys to that. I want to ask Tom, would you say that life feels light to you or that you feel invincible? If so, what most contributes to that? I definitely don't feel invincible. Um, I do feel light in the way that Gary said it. I never would have used that word until he said that because my whole thing is I... I've lived through the transition of corporate veils were a real thing. People wanted to hide behind the company. When I first got into entrepreneurship, I did not want people to know who I was because I didn't believe in the product. I didn't think the product was, um, it wasn't something I cared about. It like solved the problem sort of, but we were like using fear-based selling. It's like you're, um, you know, people might be stealing your corporate information. It was like, ugh, like I hated it. Yeah. And so that wasn't fun for me. And so I was so grateful that like that was all invisible. 
And I remember the first time I heard of the notion of a corporate veil and I thought, ooh, I like that. Like I'm hidden, I'm behind something. Um, that actually gave me a great degree of comfort. And then as I started watching what was happening with social media and I got so fed up with not building something that I cared about, not being passionate. And this is back in 2009 when we first started thinking about this. So, and I always bring that up because I'm proud of that moment. Like I'm proud that like I wanted to do that as a reaction to the way that I saw business being done. And I was like, this is dumb. Like people want to connect with people, right? So it was me returning to like my roots as a filmmaker, as a director of somebody who's obsessed with psychology. And I was like, I think there's about to be a title shift in the way that everything happens, right? And I said, look, social media is about to change everything. And of course, we didn't call it social media back then. It was basically like Facebook is about to change everything. Yeah. And it's going to give people a megaphone. It's going to give us a megaphone. It's going to give the consumer a megaphone. It lets us have a real dialogue. It lets us build community. And that was my big thing. I want to build a community. Mm -hmm. Like I want people to help each other. I was like totally obsessed with that notion. I want people to help each other. Like this is where we can do something. And I kept saying, I want a company with personality. Yeah. And what I meant by that was I want to be me. I want to show up every day and be me. So I became obsessed with this notion. I am only going to say things that if you woke me up in the middle of the night, punched me in the head. And so now I'm dazed and confused. I don't know what's going on. And you ask me a question. I'll give you the same answer that I would give you um, in like a pre-recorded, edited interview because it's my North Star. Yeah. It is the foundational belief system by which I view the entire world. That way I never have to be worried about being caught out. I never have to worry about like somebody secretly recording me or whatever and I say something that doesn't line up with what I've been saying publicly. And so the example that I give is in the beginning, um, and I was way more chill at Quest because I felt like, ah, oh, I have a brand, like I really have to balance this, but I'm gonna swear. And I'm gonna swear because I swear in real life. Yeah. And so like, I didn't want people to be like, oh man, cause I could see people begin to exaggerate you. Like people perpetuate a version of me, like take my whole being up early thing. People have made out like I'm some diehard that like sets my alarm and like I get up and just grind, grind, grind. My thing is I go to bed early mm -hmm. and no matter how many times I say that, people are still like, oh man, you're so fucking hardcore. Like you wake up at three in the morning. It's like, yes, but I went to bed at nine. So I still got six hours of sleep and it didn't set an alarm. I just woke up. Yeah. So I'm not doing anything cool. I'm not doing anything special, right? But people will take that and they run with it. So it's like, I didn't want somebody, I know whatever I say is gonna get exaggerated, the good and the bad. And so I didn't want people to like run with something and begin to exaggerate like, oh, he's, you know, this, he's always so loving and so kind and he doesn't even swear. <clears throat> and then they come in the office and I'm like, motherfucker. And then they would, it would be so jarring for them. Sure. And then it's like, oh man, this guy isn't what I thought. So it's like, dude, you just gotta be who you are. Like be aggressively yourself unapologetically you have to be nice all right here's another question we got a lot of new people in the comments today nice. it seems like. welcome everybody rodrigo casillas he says what would you recommend to a 20 year old who wants to start his own business and hopes to have financial freedom and be able to travel the world without being attached to a traditional nine to five job um, my advice to anybody in their early 20s goes like this. Go to the person living your idealized life and say, I will work harder and smarter than anybody else you've ever met. I'll do it for free for 90 days. All I ask in return is connections and knowledge. If at the end of the 90 days I've delivered so much value that you'd rather pay me to stay than lose me, then put me on payroll. Um, and if not, we shake hands, we part ways, and I thank you for the knowledge and information and you got free labor. Um, that is what I wish I had done. I could have shaved a lot of time off my uh, meandering. Um, so there, there's just a magical period in your, let's call it teens to late 20s, quite frankly, where poverty's fine. And it doesn't matter. You're still gonna be able to get laid. And this is something not a lot of people talk about. Like at the end of the day, like that's what it's about. Like it's about finding somebody that, um, it's maximizing your sexual market value. Okay, and if you've never thought about sexual market value, sexual market value is real. So saying things like people should love me for who I am, it just doesn't acknowledge the truth of sexual market value. So why will people always chase money? Because it's real, especially for guys, like you're valued for your access to resources. That's real, it is the human condition. That's just, that's the way it is. Right. And so especially for guys, like you're gonna see like 
that they're going to leverage that women are going to try to do what they can to make themselves look more beautiful uh, because they're prized for their beauty. Hey, maybe it shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. Um, and so, yeah, just acknowledging the the truth of that human condition. And we got onto that because what was the initial question? Uh, getting financial freedom in your twenties, yeah, traveling so, the world, not having a nine to five. Yeah. So yep. there it is. Like, go find somebody that can teach you. You need to be learning. You need to be in education mode. Get educated. And look, I lament, I lament that it has taken me this long to get to this point in my life. Like, I am literally just today, I was mortified. And, uh, but it's just how long it took me to learn, man. It's just how long it took me to learn. There so. you go. All right, here's another one from someone new to the feed. This is Eli. Officer, I believe that is the last name. Nice. Officer. First live feed with you guys. Love the show. Mad thank you to Welcome. Agent Smith and Tom and the entire yeah, Impact team. Thank you, Eli. Um, question, what is it that separates Gary from others as an influencer in a cultural standpoint? This is a two-parter. Nice. And how does one work 18-hour uh, days, seven days a week, like he is often noted talking about in his videos? All right, so part one, the reason that Gary is successful as he is is twofold. One, his advice is real. I cannot stress that enough. His advice is real. If you take his advice, your life will be better than if you didn't take his advice. Yeah. Now, that is not true for the vast majority of influencers out there, but Gary's advice is real. And so he will always be um, at the forefront for that. And then two, he's entertaining. And there, that's just, you gotta be entertaining. There's no two ways about it. And I think that he, like, I think he's more entertaining than me. And that's something that I like, I, I have to, I have to get better at that. Like he's just, he, it, uh, his interviews are a little more like pop culturally, pop culture E like they're just fun and funny and light and fast. Um, it's just not my, it's not where my instincts take me, but sure. I am very cognizant that that's always going to be a boon for him. And then I'm going to have to play a longer game of just like adding value, value, value. Cause yeah. I'm not as fucking like entertaining. Um, so yeah, those are like the two things. And then the other one was how do you work that much? 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Like he's often noted in his videos. Like, how do you do it? I'm going to pull yeah. a, I'm going to pull a Jocko Willink here and just say, you, you just do, do it. it. Like, like work that many hours. So, okay. Now I'll be, I'll give you the Tom Bill you answer. Uh, the way to do that is to get excited about the reason that you're working. So once you have a compelling future that I'm totally stealing from Tony Robbins, his whole notion of a compelling future, like you need to create a compelling future for yourself. That right. is so important. And a lot of times people just, they're not doing something that excites them. Like get fucking excited. Like that is number one. And please learn from my mistakes. I chase money for a very long time. It's not a compelling future. It's not a compelling future. Once you get excited about the thing you're trying to do, like for me, I'm wired. I love to help people. So that was a big deal for me. So Quest was like this big click moment because I started thinking about my mom and my sister. I wanted to help them. And I knew that there were a lot of people that struggled in the same way that they did. So it was like, oh my God, like I can go out and help these people. I can pull people out of the matrix. That's the juice for me. That moment of awakening, seeing somebody look at the world a new way because you gave them a critical piece of information that helps them see like something new, to live in a new way, to be like excited, to come alive, to believe in themselves. Like I, love that more than I can say. So there is a reason that I'm building this media company in this way. And very much the reason that I know this is all going to work is because I know I got the timing right. And timing is everything. And like we're living in this moment where right now people give a shit about like what people think and are feeling and so they'll tune into a show like this and it allows you to really build some momentum and it happens to be what I love. Like yeah. helping pull people out of the matrix. Like that's my juice. Um, nice. Broke a record. Uh, broke a record. Thank you guys all so much. Amazing, amazing. Uh, in terms of people that have shown up for a live feed. We're right now, this is happening. Like you hit those stair step moments where you just jump in between Goggins and Gary um, and just some super awesome stuff that the team has been doing. We've taken a huge step forward and we're so grateful to each and every one of you. Um, so thank you guys for showing up. Definitely. I want to add, uh, I want to add on to your response about what Thanks. separates Gary. And I think there's a third part and it's volume of content. Word. And I wouldn't have said this to be true um, a couple of years ago, 
but it quantity quality sorry quantity is almost just as important as quantity quality you got to have the quality first 100%. but putting out a lot of content really helps he does it he's he's on every social media platform he's pushing out a lot of content bringing in a lot of people we've pushed out a lot of content that has definitely helped us accelerate as mm. well so. agreed well said a uh, quick shout out to our latest social media channel that we've added. Speaking of Snapchat, you can find us. Are we snapping? Yeah, we're snapping nice. right now. Ask Impact Theory nice. on Snapchat. Ask Impact Theory. Wait, Impact Theory was taken? Yeah, it was taken. Say what? It was taken. Yeah. We wow. went through a lot of iterations. So. All right. Ask Impact Theory. That's Ask Impact magic. Theory. This is our new Snapchat channel. Come check it out. Um, send us snaps. It's going to be. Uh, really moderated and owned by Molly and our intern team. Nice. Some of the people on our intern team. So you get a behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. We have a new... Lisa, come yeah, introduce yourself. Yeah, introduce Lisa. Yeah. We have a new intern. Day one, today. Yep. Come on in. Say what is up. Yeah, come here, but you kind of have to squat, squat down, down a little bit. Exactly. Hi, everyone. Um, what do I say? Oh, I'm Lisa, and I'm the new marketing intern. Nice. Perfect. Yes. Thank you very Welcome. much. All right. That's Lisa, everybody. A new addition to the team. Very excited to have her. Yes. And uh, so Lisa and Molly and the rest of the intern team will be running the Snapchat. So you'll get a little window nice. into their world. Um, and you can send us questions and we'll try to respond to them on Snapchat as well. Word. So Love it. All right, we only have a few more minutes left. All right. I want to do more questions from the audience because yeah, they have some good ones. And also reminding everyone, if you want to share this live feed, you can win the Ask Gary V book. Just send us a screen grab at Connect at Impact Theory. We have 42 shares. Nice. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, guys. Uh, this one is from Maria. Maria Kublasing. She says, Tom, I was wondering if Gary, being as busy as he is, having children made you think about changing your stance? Hell no. So, and I've actually thought about Gary and his kids a lot because he's a great example of somebody who works as much as I work and uh, has kids. And man, we've all got a path to walk in life. And it's really about being honest with what you want. And my thing is I really want kids. I really, really, really want kids. But I'm honest with myself. And the thing that I want more than I want kids is to not have kids. Yeah. And that, yeah, like, God, time is so precious. And here's the thing. If I woke up tomorrow and suddenly had two kids, like, then I would click over and I would fully commit and yeah. I would engage with that. And it would be amazing. And you'd hear me talk about the profundity of having children and how it transforms you. Like, I get it. And literally, if somebody were meeting me for the first time, I could convince them that I had children by talking about the ways that it's changed me. And you would see me like, mm -hmm. I could even get myself to an emotional place about it. I fucking get it, man. Like I get what kids would be. And because I feel that I so understand it, I feel I'm making a very sober decision about not having kids. And here's the thing, part of me regrets not having kids, 100%. And I'm just real about the fact that an even bigger part of me would regret having kids. And so because it's a choice right now, it's not like, like you only would feel that sense of loss if you had them and lost them. In it, they always use this example for um, like somebody who's been blind since birth. They don't miss sight. Yeah. And they talk about how a dog, like they're thinking about us like, oh my God, like how could you go through life not being able to tell that, um, you know, Lisa walked through here a day and a half ago? Like, how do you even function not knowing that, not being able to pick that up in a sense of smell? But for us, like, we don't even think about it. Like, it, it doesn't play into, like, and for those that don't know, we hired a canine unit when Wookiee went missing, and it was surreal to see them react to sense that, like, you can't even smell. You have no sense of what's going on. So you have to totally trust the dog and go with them. But like they are viscerally moved by what they smell. That's how I feel about kids. It's not a, like a void in my life. Like I love my life. I am on fire for what I'm doing. I wake up every day excited. Part of the reason I don't sleep any more than I do is I wake up excited to do the things that I want to do. So I've constructed my life to be exactly what I want my life to be. Um, so... Yeah, it did not make me rethink. Sometimes I think, God, would he ever <laughs> wish that he didn't have kids? I don't know, man. Like, it, there are a lot of time to do right. Yeah. There are a lot of time to do right. There you go. I like it. 
Um, I've got a question. So one thing Gary says is if you want to be an anomaly, you have to act like one. And this is that. around the conversation. I do too. This is the conversation around, I think it was related to when he talked about, you know, he's magic when he's coming into his, right. um, when he's coming into his business, that's the kind of force he is. Um, and you made the question, you made a comment about like, you know, you want to do things, but not be reckless. So how do you know when you're acting like an anomaly or when you're just being reckless? It, it is so clear when you're in it to know if you're being reckless because there are just business principles. So no zigging when other people zag, like I'll give the example of Richard Branson from the outside. Richard Branson seems like an extreme risk taker, but in truth, he always protects his downside. Mm -hmm. And so protecting your downside. And what I like to do is look at the worst case scenario. Like what's the, we lost the TV. If somebody could come punch a button, that'd be awesome. Thank Molly, you. anybody Chase. can somebody get the TV back on? Um, so when you're, trying to make a decision, identify what is the worst case scenario. And a lot of times the worst case scenario is catastrophic failure. And so how do we back up, oh, thanks Chase, how do we back up from that? And so Richard Branson, the, the famous example, when he wanted to start Virgin Atlantic, when he negotiated the purchase of the plane, he actually got them to contractually obligate themselves to buy it back. Yeah. And so that was brilliant. That way it could be a very painful loss, but isn't going to sink his company because now he's sitting there with a plane and like, what do you do with the plane? So that's a brilliant example of how do you hedge your downside? Mm. So you've got to be able to do that. You've got to know how to run a PNL. Like you, you, you have to understand all of those things. Um, and so like Lisa and I are making a huge, huge upfront investment in what we're doing with impact theory. We've um, looked out into the future. We sort of understand like, okay, this is how much money we're willing to just burn and lose and like total catastrophic failure. We understand, okay, if we can't do it, um, in this period of time, then, you know, this is, these are the changes we'd have to make to our lifestyle. If it like totally fails, well, like we've mapped all that out and where we expect to be from a revenue perspective, where we expect to be from a burn perspective. So all of those things, like you have to really look at that stuff. You have to have that strategy. You have to know like, where do we start making different decisions, hedge your downside. Um, so yeah, like, so on the surface, it may seem like, you know, what are they doing? Like huge upfront investment, like sure. doesn't make a lot of sense to go for, cause we wanted to do it right. Cause we could be selling courses right now. Right. And we could, Hey, buy now and learn how to, you know, whatever X, Y, Z. And we yeah. would make a ton of money. Like we're leaving millions of dollars on the table by not doing that. But it is very important to me to give the content away for free to empower people to improve their lives because my ask is going to be over here. We're going to create media properties and I just want you to look at them, right? And so I want people to, hey, we've created t-shirts or mugs or whatever, which by the way, right now, everybody go to the Impact Theory store. Um, like those are going to be our asks, but I'm only going to make those asks because I've delivered a crushing amount of value upfront first before I've asked anything of anybody. That to me is important. That's the long play in a world where remember what, are, what are the kingmakers, Jared? The kingmakers are authenticity and transparency. My man. So yeah. those are the, those are the things, right? Yeah. That's how you're going to build your reputation. So if you're delivering a lot of value, if you're being yourself, if you're connecting with people, if you're totally transparent, if you let them know what your ask is, what you want, like you only get that privilege when you've Given, 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 given. So that's that's the strategy. Nice, I like it. So be an anomaly. An anomaly protects their downside. Hundred percent. Or you're a very short-lived anomaly. There you go. Uh, let's do one more question from Facebook Live. This is from uh, Nandasku. Uh, a lot of your guests mentioned being workaholics, but have you ever met a poor person who said they were workaholics? I feel like there's a discussion there worth having, and that it gets brushed aside too often. Maybe when we say that they are workaholics, it's because we lack a social life, friends, a relationship, et cetera. Any comments? Um, I could very easily see somebody be a workaholic and not be successful or yeah. have moments of success only to crash and burn and, and go back to you know being poor. Um, so I, like, there doesn't seem to be anything intrinsically 
uh, problematic about being both a workaholic and unsuccessful. Like, I think that's very, very plausible. Mm. Um, and, and I think gut checking yourself and recognizing that the market is giving you the answer. Maybe it's a hard answer. Maybe it's the answer mm. you don't want to hear. Um, but the answer is giving, or the market is giving you an answer. So I think that people have to be really, really honest. Like being busy is not the same as being productive. And so when you're working a lot, a lot, a lot, you need to be checking, like, is this actually getting me anywhere? Like, do I have clear goals? A lot of times people don't. And there were years where the only clear goal I had was wealth creation. And that was a mistake because that actually is a wildly vague goal. That is hopelessly vague because that isn't how you serve people. And right. until you know how you're serving people in a very specific concrete way, how you're making their life better um, and what problem you're solving, like you're never gonna know what to actually do. And so saying you wanna be wealthy to me is like saying I wanna win a gold medal. In what? Right. In the Olympics? Okay, you wanna win a gold medal in the Olympics? In what sport? Okay, you want to win a gold medal in swimming? In what event? Like, you have to get so specific before you can know how to train properly, before you can know how to execute against that. And that's where people fall down, man. They just are not specific. They stop it at, at what I'll call a pacifier notion, right? The pacifier notion is I want to be rich. The pacifier, no and th this is the actual, this generation, their pacifier notion, mine was get rich. This generation's pacifier notion is I want to help people. Hmm. But that is just as useless as saying I want to be rich. In what way do you want to help people? You want a ladle soup at a soup kitchen? Like, do you want to gain a skill? Dr. Drew talked about this in his episode, the whole notion of techni, of gaining a skill that is unique to you that you then use to help people, okay? But that skill, that's very, very specific. And the way that you're helping people with that skill is going to be very, very specific. So really like going deep. And that's the one thing that scares me in the comments that I get all the time. People want to help people, but they don't know how. Yeah. They don't like, they don't know the very specific, like ridiculously tactical way in which they plan to help people. And that is the thing that people really need to buckle down and think about. And it means closing a lot of doors. In fact, this is where I think most, I'm just thinking of this on the spot, but this is where I think people really create problems for themselves. They walk into a room that has a thousand doors. And knowing that they could go through any one of those doors is so empowering and so intoxicating. They stand in that room until they die. Mm -hmm. Whereas ultimately, you have to shut every door but one and then walk through that door. You got to walk through. The paradox of choice. The paradox of choice. Yeah. That's great. I think, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. Boom. Guys, thank you so much. This has been a two-time record-setting um, live broadcast for us so we're very excited uh thank you so much for joining us i hope you guys enjoyed this episode with gary v if you haven't seen the full episode yet go watch it i really think this man is incredible i think his advice is amazing i think he is super real very authentic doesn't judge himself which is the thing i found most most fascinating about him the good the bad the ugly he is honest about all of it and that cannot help but help you guys uh, because i think that it gives permission to all of us myself included to really be who we are um, and to let go of judging ourselves um, is just super super critical if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends be legendary take care peace Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.